0: CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for Your Money and Your Life. Welcome into another edition of Your Money and Your Life podcast with Don Cash and myself here to talk investing, finance, retirement, and the Secure Act 2.0 is the main topic of conversation on this podcast. So we're going to get into all that good conversation with Don. I guess in a way, Don, happy belated New Year's. It's a couple of weeks into the new year already, but this is our first session. So how you doing, my friend? Doing well. I can't believe we're already at
1: the end of the third week know, of right? January. Right? It's. Uh, I mean, what's the moratorium on saying Happy New Year? I guess
0: is is it like past
1: that? Yeah, maybe ten 15? days.
0: Maybe we're probably past it, but that's okay. You know, it's, yeah, okay, it's our though. first show of the year. That's so right. We gotta we gotta pass. There you go. Exactly. I, I heard a very um, weird analogy, but it's kind of funny. I never heard it before about uh, time getting faster. It says it's like uh, it's like the end of the toilet paper roll. The the closer it gets to the end, the faster it goes. <laughs> Yeah, you get you get a little desperate. That's how life goes, it (laughs) seems, right? Uh, Been pretty hectic, so all around. So, how's your? uh, How you been doing? You been all right? Things good? Good. No snow, thank goodness, right? Mm, Yeah, okay.
1: So far this January, but um, it's been really pleasant here in in New Jersey. You know, the temperatures haven't been too cold. And actually, I was mentioning to you before we got on air. I just got back last night from a trip to Florida, right, with my wife and my youngest daughter. it was actually a bit chilly down there, so it's maybe 60 degrees in the day, like 40s at night, which is kind of, you hope, for a little bit warmer. Yeah. Down there. Yeah. We only had a couple of days where the temperatures hit 70, which was really a welcome relief. But it's still a lot better than a a typical winter day in New Jersey or New York.
0: Yeah. I was just watching the playoff game uh, in Tampa Bay against Dallas a a couple of days ago. And yeah, you could see people had their coats on in Tampa. And it was like, what are they doing? You know, it was like, it's like, oh, it's 55 degrees. They're cold.
1: (laughs) It's funny how people are down there, Mark. We were down there during that game watching it. And uh, you know people who are down there. I think the, I guess their blood gets thinner because they are all bundled yeah, up. Yeah, you and, adapt. Yeah, yeah. Those of of us from the northeast, or people come down from Michigan or Ohio, they're wearing shorts and t-shirts. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your body gets you know, used to it. Yep.
1: But I'll tell you a word of warning for those traveling from Newark, New Jersey. That's the airport we left from. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The airport in Newark just opened up a what they call a state-of-the-art terminal
0: A. Oh, that already sounds bad.
1: Oh, uh, we just happen to be flying out. Uh, to Sarasota on the very first day it opened. Oh no, that's probably really bad. Oh, it was chaotic. Uh, security lines backed up and the electronic boarding pass scanners. You know those things you put on your phone now? You just kind of put your phone down on the scanner? Yeah. And it, it scans your board. It was not working properly. Oh, for like the little QR code
0: thing? Yeah, it wasn't yeah, yeah. reading the
1: QR codes and the baggage scanner, <laughs> oh, which looks like a giant MRI machine, which is was uh, running slow, but... You know, one of the worst parts also in the airport, once you get through all that security stuff, you just want to grab something to eat early in the morning and get some water. And there, was, there were very few food options <laughs> that were open, oh, uh, but once we got out, it was just a, a bad memory, Mark, just like many other experiences in life.
0: Well, you know, that's probably a good segue, Don, to get into the fact that when the government, Congress, and the IRS, I guess, get involved with new tinkerings, uh, <laughs> that they can be bad memories or they can be bad experiences. But we're going to talk a little bit about that uh, with the Secure Act 2.0 that passed uh, just squeakety squeak right there at the very, very end of last year. They did it on the, I guess, Friday before Christmas Eve and Christmas weekend weekend. Uh, kind of like they did with the first secure act. We'll talk a little bit more about that, but they, they put that in there, uh, to kind of tuck it in the Omnibus bill. So we've been anticipating some changes. We've, we've talked about it here on the podcast, uh, in the industry, we've known they've been kicking around kind of an updated version from the first secure act. We just didn't know exactly what it would entail, but there is a lot of provisions in there. So now that we know, question is, what do we need to really kind of focus on? Are there some more uh, threats? Are there better opportunities? You know, what's kind of going on in there? So let's break it down. Yeah, it's a good way to look at it, Mark. I mean, we have to, you know, kind of boil it down
1: to threats and opportunities and see how we can make the most of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's certainly both in, in this bill. And we refer to this law, as you mentioned before, as a Secure Act 2.0. And the Secure Act just to get back to that one, stands for setting every community up for retirement enhancement, mm-hmm. uh, which 99.99% of the public doesn't know, <laughs> along with 99% <laughs> of the planners don't know. Yeah, right? Congress loves those acronyms. They we do joke about that. Yep. But the original SECURE Act 1.0 made some really significant changes to IRA rules. And, you know, among the most significant change was... Um, the, the date of the first uh, IRA and 401k required distribution was increased from age 70 and a half to age 72.
0: Yeah, they made it simple, right? So it was like, great, got rid of the half weird thing, went to 72. There was a, you know, the big negative there was the stretch IRA, which we've talked about many times and we've done some podcasts on. So if you'd like to go check out those, feel free to to look at some of the older podcasts. But it, it was kind of a big deal because it was nice to avoid some of that confusion around the the uh, RMD with going to that nice 72. And now, you know, they've done some weird stuff again, yet again. So, as of last year, I guess if you were born, what, 1950 or earlier, Don, you must take the money from your IRA and pay the taxes. So, you got to do the RMD, right, basically, right, from 50 earlier. Yeah, that's right. So, 1950 was the year of birth and earlier is that 50 was the,
1: if you were born that year, that was your first required distribution from right, the IRA. Right, yeah. So, I mean, you have to take the money out, you have to pay the tax, that was like your first required tax hit on that money. So that was the rule with the Secure Act 1.0 that was passed in 2019. Uh, Now, here we are in the year 2023, and the law changes that rule to require the first distribution when you turn 73. Yeah, so okay. they
0: moved it to seventy-three, which the sounds nice and simple as well, but it's not quite right. They added some weird stuff to it.
1: Yeah, there's always some
0: hair on it, if you
1: will. <laughs> if you were born between nineteen fifty-one, nineteen fifty-nine, that's age seventy-three. Right. As you're required, but if you if you were born in nineteen sixty
0: or later, it's age seventy-five. But it doesn't start till twenty thirty-three. Y- yeah, which correct. is weird. So Another weirdness. Hate- <laughs> they hate simplicity in
1: congress mark i mean this you know the, the, it's like uh we the accountant joke around it's like the the account the accountancy employment act right it just uh-huh. employs more accountants tax preparers and you know f- for our business of course it's it, it, it helps uh, uh with financial planners because there's sure. more to plan around sure yeah um but in this respect that they're in a, in the respect of of these age ranges they're basically making an, A lot like the social security full retirement age rule mark where the full retirement age for those born if you remember before 1955 was 66 uh before that it was you know if you were born 1943 or before it was 65. but then if you were born between 1955 and 1960 they kind of add two months a year until 1960 where then the full retirement age is 67. so for some reason, the government thinks 1960 is some magic age. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot a lot of things happen. If you were born in 1960 or older, there's a lot of significant changes in Social Security and IRA rules. So, But here we have some more planning opportunities as well. Sure, yeah. And uh, perhaps we can use this bump up in the required distribution age for more Roth IRA conversions to take money from the taxable IRA bucket uh, and put it into the tax-free Roth IRA account Mm -hmm. uh, and to boot the tax code changes in 2026 by law, and the taxes are scheduled to go up then. So I think that's going to be really the next battleground law change, Mark, that tax law change that kicks in in 2026.
0: Yeah. Even if they do nothing else, right. Even if they leave it alone, we know taxes are going up because they're going to sunset and go back to what they were during the Obama administration in 26. So yeah, they're going up regardless. They could do something sooner, but that's mm-hmm. you know kind of where it's at there. So with the idea of the Roth, for example, you know, we think, well, they need tax money, right? They, we, need, we know that we've been spending a lot. We need this revenue. So you think, okay, well, why would they extend the RMD? But, uh, you know, does give you an opportunity because as people are doing a lot of Roth conversions, they're paying the taxes. So that does get the government tax revenue. So what if you're still working in your, you know, I don't know, 77, let's say, and you have that company 401k, Don, do, are you still going to be required to do that? You know, that's a point of confusion I see a lot of, Mark. It's okay. like, you know, what if I'm
1: 72 or 73 now or older and I've, I'm have i working for a company, right? I work for a big company and I have a 401k, are they gonna make me take money out of the 401k while I'm making the contribution <laughs> to the 401k? Um, and the answer is no, You don't. typically you don't unless you're a majority owner in the company, which is pretty rare. Uh, according to the Internal Revenue Code, section 401a, Mark, there is such a thing
0: mm-hmm. as
1: 401a, the plan participant If they're still working after 72 or 73 now they can delay taking the rmd from their plan from a 401k for example and they can do it until they retire so Hmm. uh, once they retire then the required distribution kicks in but as i mentioned before i bet most people don't even know there is a an irc code 401 a b c d all the way through j Not, not just k we're all familiar with the 401k and that that's just a number from that IRC code, the Internal Revenue Code, that was added in uh, 1978.
0: Yeah, it's, we only focus on the one. That's <laughs> it's right. It's too many of them for us to pay attention to out here in the regular world, right? That's why we have you, right? That's why we turn to folks like you guys uh, to help us through this stuff. So, okay. So we have the change of the first IRA distribution now to age 73. And my understanding is if you were turning 72, so this is our January podcast, if, if you were turning 72 early this year, you now don't have to take it, right? So you mm-hmm. can wait until you're 73. Uh, what else has changed?
1: That's right. That's what we were kind of anticipating last year, Mark. We we're thinking, oh, are they going to change this and make it 73 in uh, October or November? That would have really thrown a fly in the ointment, so to speak, right? But now they did make it kind of clean. So it, it's uh, if you're 72 now, turning 72 this year, you have one more year. Yeah. But the change that was made in, in 2019, it really, that's the one that kind of remains today that's uh, a significant part of this SECURE Act is the complications with the income taxes due from the heirs of the IRA. Yeah, that was, so the called, big,
0: that was the big gotcha in the first one, right?
1: Yeah, these are the so-called inherited IRAs. Yeah. And this is going to be a growing, growing issue, Mark, because more and more people I see every year are inheriting IRAs from their family right? It could be a mom or dad that's more typical or sibling or an aunt or uncle. And you're seeing more and more of this. And this is something we've been discussing during our um, podcasts over the past few years and with clients over the past three years. Mm-hmm. And investors really must understand what happens to the IRA and the 401k, by the way, when it passes from the owner to the beneficiary. And these rule changes were really significant and opened up the possibility for really a lot of increased taxes and penalties. And this is where there's both landmines and opportunities, Mark. We've discussed it before, so we don't get too much into the details of the law, but it makes a big difference in the age and the relationship and even the health of the beneficiary yeah. of the IRA when they inherit these.
0: Yeah, and that's why, really, folks, you definitely need to talk with a, a CPA like Don uh, if you're not working with one who's a CPA and a CFP. Because, like I said, Don, there's they were like 100-plus provisions in this thing, and they didn't even really clarify the big sticking point from the first one, which you'd think all the changes that they put in 2.0, that they would have kind of clarified that uh, stretch IRA issue from the first one. So, yeah, you got the age, you got the health, how is that even going to play out for folks? Yeah, that's
1: a good question. And that's something that people get surprised by when that money moves from the owner to the person who inherits it. So let's say if you leave your IRA money to your older sister, mm-hmm. Mark, or right. your daughter, there's two different rules right. that come into play. <laughs> yeah. Right? And here's some basics, and we've discussed this in the past, but it's worth reviewing a designated base beneficiary it's basically a person or an entity you name on your beneficiary form mm-hmm. okay and eligible and the keywords eligible designated beneficiary is a person who is eligible to take the money out of the ira after they inherit it little by little based on their own life expectancy right they don't have to like take it out all at once or in a few years they could take it out in dribs and drabs and let the money compound and grow over their life expectancy.
0: Yeah. And it was nicknamed the Stretch IRA for short because you could stretch it out, right? And then they added this 10-year thing when they eliminated it.
1: Yeah. And that's where it gets confusing. But just to go back to the eligible designated person uh, beneficiary, mm-hmm. there's five classes of people who fall into this category of eligible. And it's basically those who you might expect, like the owner's surviving spouse, a minor child under 18, sure, a disabled individual, uh, someone who's chronically ill, uh, someone like, you know, who might be uh, nursing home bound, that sort of thing. Um, another, uh, the fifth category, which is a little weird is any other individual who's not more than 10 years younger. Than the deceased IRA owner, like a sibling.
0: Yeah, that's a weird one. So, like, my brother is com- is single, Don, and he's fifteen years older than me. So, if he wanted to leave me his IRA, I would not get the um, that same rules. I'd have to take it out within the ten years, correct?
1: Right, but if if it was the reverse and <laughs> you left
0: it to him, he could,
1: <laughs> he could, yeah. Weird. So odd. <laughs> so <laughs> okay. Look, it's, it's one of those nuances right. uh, in the law. Many people we leave our IRA to when we pass away, really, are, are going to be often considered non-eligible.
0: That's what it seems like. More people would fall into that category unless it's basically your spouse.
1: Uh, correct. Yeah. So uh, they might be, let's say, your healthy 40-year-old son or daughter that doesn't fall into any of these five categories. Right. This group has to contend with this very tricky 10-year distribution rule. And that's where a lot of people you know, may step on landmine and see excess taxes and penalties. But hey, there's some good news here, Mark. Okay. They lowered the penalty from 50% to 25%.
0: I saw that, yeah.
1: Yeah, for not taking a sufficient amount out of the IRA. So I guess that was nice of them. I mean, fifty percent is just punitive, right?
0: I think 25% it was the biggest one the ta- bad too. Yeah, I think fifty was the biggest one on the tax code too. So it was. Yeah, yeah. So twenty
1: five. I guess they're competing with another penalty in the Maybe, tax code. Yeah. But conversely, there might be some opportunities here. So if the non-eligible person receives tax-free Roth IRA money, there's no required distribution for that person for ten years, and that account can grow. That entire time, completely tax-free.
0: Yeah, and again, folks, there, there's a lot of stuff to nuances to it, uh, to to the 1.0, let alone the 2.0. So it's certainly important to talk with a qualified professional like Don, uh, so that you're making sure that you're you know maximizing this stuff and sorting it all out and getting the things done that you know, that you need to do to be as efficient as possible. And as always, if you need some help, reach out to Don at donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. Uh, you can find all the good uh, tools, tips, and resources there at his website. Uh, there's definitely some a lot more stuff in it. They, they did more to align uh, company plans to the Roth. I mean, lots of other things. So what else we got going?
1: Yeah, a lot of what's in this newer version, Mark, has to do with company plans, mm-hmm. yeah. That's right? that. It, it, more four hundred one ks than IRAs, and we'll put a link up there to go into the more of the details, on, as it relates to other aspects sure. okay. of, of retirement planning. But the new version, you know, again, it's not really this uh, the game changer, if you will, that the original Secure Act was a few years ago. Okay, and it does affect more workplace plans like four hundred one ks than IRAs. So it's important also to note that not all these provisions across the board are effective immediately or even this year, as we mentioned. Yeah, I saw that. Some don't kick in until, you know, 2024, 20, not even for a decade or more. And there's actually, as you mentioned, I think, uh, like close to 100 changes yeah.
0: uh, on this. Yeah. So, very strange, right? Some I mean, some are 23, some are 24, 5, 26, and then all the way out to twenty thirty three. So, yeah. Yeah, to
1: your point, I mean, there's a, t- a $31 trillion budget deficit mm. and the government needs money now uh, so they're desperate for money, and if, if we can plan around that point, we can avoid getting hammered by taxes down the road, and um, and that's part of the plan. And it really speaks to the government's kind of angling toward this what we call this Rothification uh, yeah, mark, right? <laughs> of of IRA and four hundred one k planning, meaning that. They really don't want to give you the tax break up front in some respects. Okay. So, you know, they added, um, you know, there's more tax deferral for 401ks in workplace plans where now you can contribute more money to them. It's not all that more significant, but they really want that money now. So that's a really, you know, a good part of the angle for planning for us.
0: Yeah, I know. I think that that's, and I think the message too from both of these, Don, is do, do the work yourself. Get these things done because, you know, our the reliance on us is not there, right? I mean, they're setting every community up for retirement enhancement as they've called it, but the onus, they're, they're kind of. It's a nice warning signs that the, war- the onus is definitely on us to plan and to get these things done. So what other big uh, items should we be focused on or thinking about here?
1: Yeah, one item in this, in this um, Secure Act 2.0 was sort of an enhancement of the qualified charitable distribution. Mm-hmm. That's where you can give money directly from your IRA to a charity, still take the large standard deduction on your tax return. And that distribution from your IRA to the charity benefits the charity, of course, and it doesn't show up as taxable income when you make the distribution. So that's a a win-win for the taxpayer, the IRA owner, and the charity. And we've talked about this before, this QCD, they call it, the Qualified Charitable Distribution. So some of the benefits are for this, um, as we move forward, they're going to index that for inflation going forward. So they're giving you more of a benefit each year. Uh, now it's up to a hundred thousand dollars you can give from your IRA and it counts toward your required distribution. That's the big benefit to this, right?
0: Yeah, unfortunately, even though they've raised that limit to a hundred thousand, it's like you can't give a hundred thousand not that many people would, that's a lot of money, but you hundred thousand and it's like, Oh, well, my RMD is ten grand a, you know, ten thousand, let's say. It doesn't satisfy ten years of RMD. It's that's only for the right. calendar exactly. year, correct.
1: Yeah. Yep. You're only satisfying that one year. Yeah. Um, But now they they kind of boosted this for this year, only for 2023. An IRA owner can can make a one-time $50,000 gift to a charitable trust if you're over 70 and a half, and it's not a taxable distribution. So it's sort of like a, a boost to the qualified charitable distribution.
0: Yeah, Well, that's a nice little bonus. So, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff in there too, Don. Some really interesting things. Like I think one of the surprises was the 529 to Roth conversion that you can do lots right. of you know so that was kind of being, uh, maybe a nice little planning tool for those who are putting money away for kids or grandkids for college so again worth it to talk with your cpa and your financial professional on this and we'll put up some links to the show notes in the show notes uh, but you mentioned to me before about this special enhanced property tax benefit in new jersey that's going to be expiring soon so let's also touch on that a little bit was there another change or any changes made to that that you can share with us
1: yeah, th- that's one of those programs that kind of slipped under the radar mark over the past few months. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the New Jersey Anchor Program. So it's again one of those acronyms <laughs> that nobody knows what it means. Someone <laughs> <It's laughs> somewhere, affo- somewhere it does. Yeah. yeah, the Affordable New Jersey Communities for Homeowners and Renters. And again, okay, this oh, is a, wow. a New Jersey acronym, not a federal acronym. Okay, um, but the. The basis behind this is it's an enhanced property tax rebate program in New Jersey. and The reason for this type of program is that people have been fleeing these northeast states. Mm -hmm. Uh, New Jersey is one of them in search of lower taxes, particularly in retirement. Uh, New Jersey has the highest property taxes in the nation, Mark. It's over $10,000 a home Mm. and also very high auto insurance rates and higher than average income tax rates and state sales taxes. So the idea behind this anchor benefits, basically what it is, Mark, it's excess COVID money that the federal government was giving to states over the past two years that they have to distribute somehow. So they're looking for a way, it looks like, to get a political benefit to distribute these excess funds. Hmm. So here are the details. There was a letter mailed to property owners in September saying that you may qualify for this new jersey anchor program and a lot of people discarded it because they typically didn't get a tax refund because of their age and income Mm -hmm, in the past these these uh property tax rebates were kind of geared toward really toward people over 65 with a certain amount of income mark Mm -hmm. so they would be encouraged not to sell their home and move out of New Jersey. Sure, yeah. Okay. So the, one of the key differences of this plan is it provides New Jersey homeowners with an income up to $250,000, a rebate of $1,000. Hmm. Um, and if their income is under $150,000, the benefits $1,500. Hmm. And even if you rent, they get a benefit. It's $450 if you rent. So unlike the these previous... Uh, programs there's no age limit right so you can get this money whether you're 40 years old or 50 years old or 70 years old it's pretty much based on your income and a lot of folks got this form they chucked it and there's there's some things that they needed on this form Oh (laughs) no (laughs) they ask you for your property id and your um passcode so we're going to put up a link to this on the show, but you're going to have to get on the um, the state website and kind of navigate it, get your application in there. Now, the original deadline for this thing was December 30th. Uh, they extended it to January 31st, right? So two more weeks. Okay. And I think what happened, there were so many people that are applying for this very late mark that they extended the deadline again <laughs> to <laughs> February 28th. I think there's a lot of people saying, I They've can't realized, yeah. Because if they don't normally get the refund, they might be trying to call this 800 number or get their code and they're being bogged down. So yeah, yeah. we're just asking people who hear the show or, or get information on it to share this with their friend, okay, because a lot of people just are missing this and get this, and this is something I found out the, with a few clients, even if you moved out of New Jersey a year or two ago, you're still eligible for this be- rebate. Oh, wow. Because they, they base it on your 2019 taxable income. Oh, Oddly enough, mm. not last year. So uh, that's the deal with this program. It's based on 2019 income, and it's not your federal income, by the way, it's your, Just your state Income. Gotcha. And a lot of people get tripped up by that. They have to look at line 29 of their New Jersey 1040, and this is where they get tripped up. Mark, there's a lot of people who are over 65 that have very little or no state income, but they could have you know a hundred or hundred fifty thousand dollars of federal income because the states exempt income in New Jersey. So your Social Security is exempted. A lot of your pension income, or actually just about, for most people, all of it is exempted. Hmm. So there are a lot of people who have very modest state income. So you have to look at this closely and just make sure that you don't miss this. One other nuance to this is that it doesn't give you a um, reduction to your property taxes. They send you a check in the mail or direct deposit. But this is a funny one, Mark. You don't get the check until the week
0: of Memorial Day. for some reason <laughs> uh the government whether it's state or federal right it's always something
1: yep so you're going to get this you know people are saying often to me that oh i applied for this in october i haven't gotten a check yet well it's going to take another five months or so but if you qualify you'll get a check and um, you just have to jump through some hoops like i did at security at newark airport there this you go week.
0: but well, you'll get to your destination
1: and uh all oh, we'll will be well.
0: There you go. Well, let me let me finish off with this, Don, and we'll wrap it up. Overall, Secure Act 2.0, I'm sure we'll dive more into some of the other yes. nuances because there was a lot of it. Um, and that way we don't overload people too much. But overall take, you think it's helpful as a as a planner? Do you think it's uh, just kind of more fluffed? What's your what's your overall take? I think the age seventy
1: three is a benefit. It adds a little confusion with this 10 year delay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's a, it can be a very much a net benefit if you plan properly. Uh, if you really have not planned well, it doesn't change any of the confusion from Secure Act One okay. Point uh, as it relates to inherited IRAs. But some of the I that you mentioned before about the uh, the uh, five twenty nine plans to a Roth right yeah um, rollover, there's some good things in there. We'll go over over them. Yeah. this year as the year progresses.
0: Absolutely. There's some interesting things in there for the student loan debt relief uh, and things of that nature. So I think they tried to tackle that animal by slipping that in there to the bill. Uh, some just some little nuances and most of it is around company plans and things of that nature. So yeah, we'll, we'll visit some more of that stuff as uh, more information comes out and Don can break it down for us a little bit. So again, it's folks, there's, as always, they do a lot of things and they make it confusing. So it's certainly worth your while to have a conversation with qualified professionals like Don, who is a CPA, and a CFP. So reach out to him if you've got those questions about what's changed, how it might affect you, so on and so forth. Find them online at donaldcash.com. That's donaldcash.com. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple, Google, Spotify, whatever uh, podcasting platform you like to use. And you can find all that information there, donaldcash.com. My friend, thanks for hanging out. Appreciate it so much. Have yourself a great week and uh, avoid the airport for right now. Thanks, Mark. <laughs> we'll see you next time here on Your Money. In your life with Don Cash, investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash and Associates LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.